We got some dumbass This is Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net. I said the torture is official U.S. government policy. It is not the result of a rogue. This is Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net. These things need to be determined by the public, not by somebody who's simply hired by the government. Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net. You're listening to One Shot on JusticeNewsNetwork.org. This is Unshackled with Iman on JusticeNews.net. Unshackled with Imran on JusticeNews.net. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. Jesse Dryfuse. This is uh, Jesse Dreyfus. Hey, Jesse, how you doing? Ah, uh, well, I've been, in a, I've been in a lot better spots, but nonetheless, I'm doing much better. Jesse, I want you to tell me what's going on in your case. Start from the top. Yes, sir. Uh, I was working for an Iranian national, and his name was Omar. Uh, him and his wife had bought an office building in Huntington, West Virginia, and they treated me rather way. I, I made, I made $1,000 a week. Uh, assisting in construction projects and overseeing certain aspects of their businesses, and they also owned a club, a nightclub. We was doing renovations to the building in town, and I would go and hire, I managed all of every one of the construction projects I managed. Well, we was gutting the entire office building, eight stories, mm-hmm. and uh, we was knocking all the plaster out and remodeling, and um, Omar always put me over top of hiring the day laborers and the help because that's who I would have to make sure I got the jobs done. Okay. He, was putting in a, he was putting a hookah bar because he, you know, he catered to most Iranians, and that, you know, mostly Iranians and other Middle Eastern people. And we put in a hookah bar out the back. Out the back, he put, built a hookah bar. Mm-hmm. We ordered all the materials. And I went to hire a man, two day laborers, and I went to this man's house and knocked on his door. I called him first, and I said, hey, you interested in some work, Mr. Tomsey? And he said, oh, yeah. Because he was a skilled laborer, he could read a tape measure, he knew how to work with hand tools. And, you know, he wasn't a carpenter, but nonetheless, he was a good, skilled laborer. I said, well, here's the thing, I'm going to give you 12 bucks an hour, because that's what we paid him before. Ten hours a day, if you only work eight, you still get 120 at the end of the day. We feed you every day. I got four days work. He goes, oh, I need that. I said, well, very good. I said, I need two other guys to dig post holes out back. we got to break the concrete up, dig post holes, so we can put the frame up. I said, I need two grunts. He goes, well, I know two guys right now to be willing to do it. He goes, can you stop down and give me a few bucks as an advance? I said, sure. I said, I'll do that. Well, I was living in the, in the townhouse, the very top of this apartment, of this building that we was renovating for Omar. So I went ahead and I said, I'll be down there tomorrow. So I rolled down the next day and I gave him $50 in advance. And I had about 540 cash on me. It wasn't a lot of money at all. It just looked like a lot because, you know, it was fives, tens, and twenties. And uh, I said, I need these two guys. What's up? He goes, hold on. I'll go talk to him. I'll be right back. S- sit on the porch. He lived on a second story, and I'm sitting on the porch. He runs down and goes to another house, and he comes back. He goes, he's not there right now, but he will be in a minute if you just hang out. I said, I'll hang out for a little while. I was texting my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing you know, he goes, he's here. You want to go downstairs and talk to him? I was like, absolutely. Well, when I went downstairs, we, I followed him around to the front of this other house. It was out of sight. He knocks on the door, he says, it's me. I walk in and four guys robbed me. I said, well, 
I wasn't expecting to be robbed. As soon as I walked in behind him, they slammed this door shut behind me. I said, you the guy that's not looking for work? He goes, no, I'm looking for that money in your pocket. Come loose with it. I said, yeah, I don't see that happening. Damn. That ain't happening. And then the next thing you know, I got hit in the leg with a ball bat. They pinned me down with a ball bat. One stabbed me in my lung, in my side, punctured my lung, and in my chest. They took my brand new iPhone, and they also took my wallet. And... They poked a hole in my brand new shirt that Omar bought me, which was a $60 shirt. And I was pretty upset about the shirt. I'm not going to lie. I was real mad about the shirt, the money. But they pick me up and throw me outside. You're listening to Unshackled. Unshackled with Imran on justicenews.net. Okay, well, that's great. So I run two doors down where the lights are to go, Mark, and I'm bleeding clerk looks at me and said, what happened? I said, I just got attacked in that yellow house up there. They just robbed me. And he goes, oh, you shouldn't have went in there. Let me call the police. Well, there's no need. They're never going to get my money back. I'm not going to get my phone back without question. And if they do ever cab, it's going to cause me more inconveniences. It's just terrible. And I showed him a stab wound. He goes, you better call an ambulance. I said, I think I'll be all right. I don't have medical insurance. I'm not going to run off a medical bill. If it's going to heal, it's going to heal. I'll be able to treat it. So I stayed there for about 15 minutes and talked to this guy and several patrons that went to the store. And then I went back to my apartment. Well, the next day, I, that evening, I realized my lung was not doing so good. And I got worried the next day I could breathe better, but didn't realize it was collapsed. I had no idea it was fully collapsed. So I laid in bed for two days. And uh, I called my phone, you know, hey, you got my phone? Somebody actually answered. I said, hey, man, you got my phone. So would you don't want to stab me or you don't want to pin me down with that bat. And they hung up, and then they never answered the phone again, naturally. Well, Omar sends me to Parkersburg to lay concrete. We put that, we put the deck on hold. I explained to him I got attacked, I got robbed, it is what it is. He said, go to the hospital. I said, no, Omar, I'm all right. He goes, I'll pay for it. I said, no, it's okay. I said, just give me a couple days. I said, mm-hmm. give me a couple days. He goes, very good. He goes, can you go up to Parkersburg? I, we got a concrete job up there. Would you just make sure these guys get the forms up? And I said, I can do that. Sit in a truck and watch them pour concrete, pay them at the end of the day. I go up to uh, Parkersburg, which is like 100, eh, 60 miles north of Huntington, where this had occurred. And uh, I was sitting at the parking ride. You know, somebody, the truck wouldn't start. So I walk around and want to get another ride to go to the job site. And uh, I get sworn by police officers. They arrest me and say, you know what happened in Honig? I'm like, absolutely not. What's going on? Well, you're under arrest. I said, for what? I said, uh, malicious loaning. I said, huh? I said, I got stabbed down there, but I didn't charge nobody. Why would you be arresting me? And then they carried me down there. They charged me with malicious loaning. Uh, here, apparently, in that same house where I was robbed, and I was, in fact, robbed. And the man actually admitted to robbing me on the stand. <laughs> uh, there was a man that was allegedly beaten with a bat, but he wasn't beaten with a bat. And I'm going to tell you how I know this. But anyway, they come to me and they say, you know, I said, I need a lawyer. They give me this lawyer. He comes to me with, he says, they're going to charge you with murder. The man died. I said, well, okay, but I didn't kill nobody. I didn't hit nobody. I was attacked. He goes, well, you should have called the cops first. That's the way it works. I said, well, I'm not calling the cops. They never got my money back. Well, unfortunately, I ended up, they charged him with malicious wound, and I ended up getting charged for murder. This guy finally gets the autopsy report medical records. This man never had no multiple facial fracture, major skull fracture, exposed brain injury. 
He also got the grand jury minutes where the police and the prosecutor went to the grand jury and said that ever just tried to use a of black aluminum baseball bat strike notice Clay Jr. about the face and head multiple times, causing multiple facial fractures, a major skull fracture and exposed brain injury, causing him to slip into a coma and remaining in such state until he died of those non-existing injuries. I told this lawyer I wanted him to challenge the indictment. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. We can't do that in this court. So I started raising Kane. Well, they had a ball bat. He said, they're saying you beat him with a ball. You have one minute remaining. So I started arguing. I said, if I beat him with a ball bat, I want the ball bat tested for DNA and for my fingerprints. Mm -hmm. Well, the judge didn't want to do it. They never, the police never sent it off. The judge finally issued the order, but he said, what are you going to do when it comes back with your fingerprints and DNA? I said, you ain't understanding. It's not going to. And it didn't. Well, they didn't like that, so they come to me and try to get me to take a plea. In the meantime, I found out that the man that was in this house earlier that day, he was found laying face down in his home with no clothes on, unconscious, and they kicked his front door in. Um, then, later on, that evening, after this transpired where I got robbed, about an hour later is when the phone call to Dime 1 1 was actually made about what had occurred. This man was pushed through the top, the glass top table, like a garden table that he had had in his home, and he was entangled in it. And the fire department and police, the first responders, had to use duct tape to break the rest of the glass to get him removed from this table. They withheld all of this evidence, um, and they knowingly presented the false fabricated evidence to the grand jury to get me indicted because they had all of these records in their possession 47 days before they ever presented the false complaint to the grand jury. Well, I started screaming that what they had done was they committed criminalized prosecutorial misconduct. They knowingly presented false perjured testimony in order to indict me. That's a felony in any state. And the judge didn't like that at all. He said, well, you don't know what you're talking about, and I'm not going to hear this anymore. You can either take the plea or you can go to trial. I said, very good, we'll go to trial day of my trial. Delivered indifference. Absolutely. In the day of my trial, I was not, they, they decided I wasn't allowed to use the autopsy report or the medical records. Why not? Uh, they showed us, uh, that's a good question. Um, I wasn't allowed to use them. And I'm, I'm not trying to tear up on you, but I've been fighting for 10 years to get this story. It's prosecutorial misconduct, man. Isn't that illegal? Isn't that a Brady violation right there? It's more than Brady. It's unbelievable. I mean, you got Giglio, you got Brady, you got in the pew, and it goes beyond this, because what they did was, they actually put a man, he actually put a man on the stand to say that he witnessed me beat this man's brains out, and he cleaned up brain matter and skull fragments. 16 months after they lied, and I started bringing it to everybody's attention, that they committed perjury to wrongfully indict me, and the indictment was no good, they found a man and put him on the stand and said he witnessed me beat a man's brains out with a ball bat, and that he cleaned up these brains and skull fragments. It was inherently incredible. It never occurred. He will be branded a liar because the medical report yes. doesn't prove what he's saying. And very good, but I wasn't. A, we didn't have it to rebut. My lawyer did nothing but sit there with the prosecutor the entire time. Oh, he was a public uh, pretender. Uh, he was on their team, yeah. John Lashley, terrible. I ended up getting him indicted as well for fraudulent billing. He submitted $30,000 for fraudulent billing in my case for work product he never performed. But anyway, uh, I was found guilty, and I would have found myself guilty because that testimony had the chores and tears. They had to stop the trial, and nobody would say anything. I'm like, you need to object. He goes, well, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? They're lying. 
and uh, it was criminalized prosecutorial misconduct. So anyway, it took me six years to get the autopsy report unsealed in federal court. I did it myself. I got it unsealed. Uh, if you go to Westlaw or you go to Nexus Lexus and type my name in, it's phenomenal the cases that I've prevailed in, but I've had to do it all without a lawyer. It took me six years to get the autopsy report unsealed. I got the autopsy report unsealed and the federal judge said, Mr. Dreyfus, I recommend you go back to your prison and study Imbler versus Patchman. After she got, she gave me the autopsy report after she read it, she goes, what's been done to you as criminals, sir? She goes, I'm not allowed to tell you how to do it, but what I will tell you is prosecutors and police officers have qualified or absolute immunity, but there is no immunity for criminal actions on their parts, and I believe you need to study this. So I went and studied Imbler versus Patchman, and I filed the application to present complaints to the grand jury. The judge denied it. I filed a handwritten petitioner's brief in the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals, presented oral arguments, and I prevailed and set legal precedent in this state and any person being allowed to do so. Since then, I filed a motion to vacate, a motion to rescind the invalid indictment, and prove that. I think you heard that hearing where I was in court litigating. Uh, I'm not sure if you have, but I, I actually litigated that before the court. I had a hearing with compulsory process put forth all of the evidence in the state could not dispute that these lies occurred. I have a special prosecutor and a special judge because I got the entire Cabell County Judicial Circuit disqualified because of this misconduct. Mm -hmm. uh, it has been a fight from day one. I just recently was appointed a former prosecutor and attorney from Charleston, West Virginia, who says, well, we don't want to, I don't want to bring up the prosecutorial misconduct. I said, well, of course you don't, but I most certainly am. And I've con continuously had to litigate myself, which I still am, and uh, I've made it all the way through to this, this final hurdle after proving my case clearly. Everybody in the courtroom got up and applauded, even the judge's own staff at that hearing that's posted by Mr. Lawrence Smith. At the conclusion of that hearing, everybody got, got up and clapped, and the judge admonished everybody, I'm not going to tolerate that in my courtroom. It's a bit, and uh, it, it was quite a show. It was quite a, it was a win for me, and uh, I'm still sitting here now. They shelved me, and I don't know what else to do, and my story hasn't been told. Uh, why hasn't why your story been told? I mean, the West Virginia media should be all over it. And this is the thing. Once again, Ryan Bentley, Ryan Bentley, the police officer that knowingly, intentionally lied. His wife is the news director for Huntington's WSAZ-TV news channel. Mm -hmm. They will not touch this, and... Lee Wolverton of the Huntington Herald Dispatch is Christopher Childs' brother-in-law, and he's the one that called me the ballback killer relentlessly. And since I've proven this and got the autopsy unsealed, autopsy report unsealed and proven that none of these injuries occurred, not once have they tried to retract one of those stories. He ignores everybody that contacts him. I can't get nobody to tell his story, and it's, it's unbelievable. It's not just my case, though, sir. There's been seven wrongful murder convictions that were secured by the same pattern of criminalized prosecutorial misconduct in Cabell County over the last 10 years. Seven of those murder convictions have been vacated. Seven. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody. Yeah, because they probably they own the media. Yes, and that's the thing. And it's, it's unbelievable. It's just absolutely unbelievable. But my fight is a fight that has... I'm the prison legal rep now because I had to study every day and litigate my case relentlessly every day. And I'm very knowledgeable with the process, you know, the language and process law. Unfortunately, I didn't want to be, but I had no other choice. And uh, I've got myself almost to the end of the road, but now they put up another barrier. What's going on now? Well, 
they that they stalled me on a hearing. I need one more hearing, a 30-minute hearing, and we're done. And uh, I'm not getting my hearing. They, they're just ignoring me. Why not? I, no answers. I filed a petition for rid of mandamus, and I was surprised when Debbie said that you had mentioned that. I did just recently file another mandamus. In the West Virginia Supreme Court appeals, they issued an order for show cause for the special assigned judge to show cause why he hasn't made a decision in the criminal proceeding motions uh, to mm-hmm. vacate the conviction. And uh, he has until November 10th to answer it. And uh, I've had several people call the judge's office and he says, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with him when I want, but I'll answer his mandamus. And it's, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That's cool, man. I mean, I thought it looked pretty bad, but hey, man, I mean... I, I, I know, listen, man, the fact is that you're still inside, so it is bad. But uh, what is good is that you got all of them cornered like dirty rats. And it's so funny that they're so shit scared of you that they're just running away, man. They're not even giving you hearing. And what about your uh, attorney? What's, what's he uh, doing? He, he's on their team. He's a former prosecuting attorney. He was, th- he was thrown out of office for... Um, beating his wife and his children. Uh, that's you can actually look him up, Attorney Mark Plants, and read about it. There's many articles. He was a Charleston, West Virginia prosecutor, and he was he had a problem with his anger and would beat his wife and children. And uh, the county commissioners actually threw him out. He was disbarred for a while. Now he's just making another comeback in the legal profession, and they put him on my case to, as my standby lawyer. I'm my own lawyer. He's just my standby counsel. I wouldn't let them appoint me a lawyer. Why? Why would he win your case, man? I mean, he's a former prosecutor. Why would he win your case? Yeah, he doesn't want nothing to do. Like he said, I'll never raise prosecutorial misconduct. I said, of course, and I don't want you to, because I'm doing it myself. You're not dropping any of my claims. You're not doing anything other than what I tell you to, because I want the right to have hybrid representation in these matters, and you're only my standby lawyer. Another unbelievable feat that doesn't happen anywhere, and I succeeded in that as well. Nobody's hearing my story and they're keeping me quiet. And as long as I'm quiet, I'm going to sit in this prison. Unfortunately, that's that's the truth of it. You're listening to Unshackled. Unshackled with Imran on JusticeNews.net.